Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I am seeing a shot. That is Mike McClure. Mike, we are live today, and what we're going to be doing live is recapping our week one lineups like we always do on this show every Tuesday, and we're going to look at early pricing for week two. We're going to just have an early look, have an early idea of maybe where we think the market is going. And by the way, since we're live, you guys can get in the chat here, and if you have any questions about week two pricing already, or if you've looked, you think you found a sleeper and you want to let us know, this is a community, this is a back and forth, please feel free to let us know your questions, your comments, or your plays going into week two. We'd love to hear them, and we're definitely going to be reviewing some of these comments and questions in the chat. Mike, how are you doing? How was your week one? Doing well. Week one was up and down. Uh, ended up slightly profitable, just very mostly a wash. Um, not a good week on DraftKings, much better on FanDuel. There were two key differences. We'll talk about what I did on FanDuel, what I did not do on DraftKings, which was the difference in cashing and not there. Uh, and then capped it off with a really good showdown slate last night uh, for Monday Night Football. And who was the star of that showdown slate for you, just so I know? Uh, really everything across the board, but Jerry Judy uh, had him mostly yeah. in the captain spot there. Um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of Jerry Judy. I had Judy in the captain spot as well. One thing I noticed, and and for those of you that don't know, Mike is a showdown specialist. And maybe at the end of the show, we'll take a peek at some of the maybe some of the lower end guys that we can jam into our lineups for this big time Thursday night game that we have. But uh, one thing I noticed about Jerry Judy, I mean, all the talk has been about Cortland Sutton in the offseason and in the preseason and in training camp. But if you actually looked at their yardage prop, Mike, and, and we know this because we did the early edge show together previewing the Monday Night Football game, it was basically identical. Sutton's ultimately went up to 60 and a half. And uh, I think I think we had Judy settle on like 58 and a half or 57 and a half. So obviously you could make the argument that maybe Sutton had more touchdown equity. Maybe his matchup was better, but the, the, the lines didn't say that. So I, I thought that was interesting. Did that catch your interest or, or would you, were you already going to be in on Jerry Judy? Uh, I was already going to be on, in on Jerry Judy. Uh, I just think he's an electric player, especially when he gets the ball in space, uh, just old, overall very high on him. Uh, I think the thing I think the thing that I was most excited about is just a projected upgrade at quarterback for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's such a great spot for him. So very high on Judy. And yes, we saw a number at 58. Uh, do not be surprised if his player prop numbers are in the high 60s, low 70s most weeks this year. Okay, well, listen, we are going to get to our cash and GPP lines. Before I do that, I want to let everybody know, and you guys were really good about this, we're going to have to expand the number of entries sometime soon, if not this week. Our Week 2 DraftKings contest is live. It's a single-entry contest, just like we like it. $5 to enter, 150 people. The top 15 get paid out. The link is on the podcast and in the YouTube description, so check it out. I'll be retweeting it out. Mike's going to be retweeting it out, but you may as well get in right now. You, you, You literally can just get into that contest right now because it's live and I do want to give a shout out to our week one winner Namder23 and we'll get to his or her winning lineup a little later on uh, as we do our lineup review but let's go ahead let's jump right into it uh, Mike let's jump into your cash game lineup we'll start with that 
Um, this lineup put up 136.02 points. And as we see on the screen here, you started out with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you had some Aaron Jones and CMC at running back. A.J. Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Wandale Robinson. You had your guy, Kelsey, at the flex and the Jets defense. Uh, tell me about this lineup in terms of why it was constructed this way. Some of the guys that you were really leaning on this week. Yeah, so first of all, Travis Kelsey, we knew I was going to be playing him, and you see a double tight end here. I treat Travis Kelsey, especially in cash games, as a high-end wide receiver. I don't really treat him as a tight end. Very comfortable putting him in the flex spot. Gives me a lot of differentiation. Uh, the thing that went wrong here, uh, and which was the difference between my FanDuel lineups versus DraftKings, uh, I ultimately faded Saquon Barkley on DraftKings and the Dolphins defense because I projected them, just the projected ownership levels. I decided to make the pivots there. They were a lot lower on FanDuel, so I played them both on FanDuel. It was a massive difference here, about a 40-some point difference uh, in these lineups. Uh Easily the difference between cashing and not cashing on the slate. Um, even at the ownership would have easily cashed had I kept those guys in. Uh, and then as far as Jalen Hurts, I love the environment there. They put up 38 points. We're correct on that side of it. Um, had the double stack. Goddard was tackled at the one-yard line. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very nearly had himself a touchdown. That ultimately, I believe, went to Boston Scott on the next carry. Um so yeah, re really close on that part of it. Uh, Robinson was injured uh, very quickly for the Giants in this game. Other than that, I, I liked a lot of what I built. Uh, was very incorrect on Christian McCaffrey being uh, having the usage and the efficiency there on the Carolina side and paid the price for it. Let me ask you about Christian McCaffrey because I, I think – I think people might be worried, with, especially with Baker Mayfield at the helm, and, and we're not exactly sure what's going to be going on with the run-pass distribution. And we saw just a bunch of passes early in this game. Um, with that said, I mean, CMC did, he ended up kind of salvaging a decent enough game. He was on the field a ton for most of the snaps here, I think over 80% of the snaps. What is your outlook going into not just week two, but maybe the next few weeks? Do you think it's going to be sort of back to the old CMC in terms of usage? I think so. Um, I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet on that. Uh, I, he's someone I definitely will want to play. Uh, we'll see where the price point goes you know, for next week and, and the following weeks, depending on how he does. Uh, but overall, definitely someone I still want to continue to buy into as long as he is healthy. Um, I, he's just an elite talent. He could have very easily had two touchdowns in that game, which would have definitely salvaged the box score a little bit. Um, but he, he's still a massive threat anytime this offense is in the red zone. So I, I like Christian McCaffrey. I don't think it'll be a core piece of lineups necessarily, but definitely someone you always have to consider in a tournament. Another guy I wanted to ask you before we get to my GPP lineup uh, is Aaron Jones. So Aaron Jones, obviously, you know, I think we were all, we were both big on Aaron Jones coming into week one. And we certainly knew A.J. Dillon was going to get some production, some rushing and perhaps some passing attempts. But it really skewed a little bit more to A.J. Dillon than Aaron Jones, or at least more than we expected. Uh, I'm just curious what you think what you think the Aaron Jones outlook is. Are, are we going to be a little bit more bashful in, in jamming him in? Obviously, it's matchup dependent to some degree. Um, I was a little surprised at the Aaron Jones usage. Were you? A little surprised with the usage. Uh, I think we have to caution still a pretty small sample size, obviously, mm -hmm. of just the one game. Uh, I'd like to see the small sample size again before I really want to jump off there. Uh, you know, the, this offense, you know, not having Alan Lazard and the two tackles makes a huge difference. Uh, as this team gets a little more healthy, they might move the football a little better. Uh, I still expect them to be involved in the red zone. I still expect them to have a pretty significant role. So, while it's unfortunate that it didn't work out in week one, uh, you know, the price point obviously shouldn't see a massive jump going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, so as long as this price point's, you know, below $7,000, even potentially low sixes, uh, I, I think he's going to remain a fantastic tournament play and a fringe uh, cash game play, depending on matchup. All right. Well, speaking of cash games, I'll let everybody know that as we just looked at Mike's cash game. So a little context. I flew in the red eye from Vegas on Saturday into Sunday. I had a show at noon. So I was only able to just because of my travel plans, I was only able to put in a handful of lineups and I didn't put in any cash lineups. So you won't see that from me going forward. I will have a cash lineup to show you on this show and a GPP lineup. But for now, 
because I didn't do a cash lineup. I can't show you that. So I'm going to show you my GPP lineup that we actually did in the Fantasy Football Today DFS contest. I figured I may as well show you the lineup that I did in that one. It didn't cash. It was not in the top 15. It was basically middle of the pack. But it also had the stack that I suggested on our cheat sheet, which was regrettable, if I'm being honest. As good as Justin Herbert was, uh, he certainly could have been better, but it was Mike, the White, Mike Williams side of that stack that was obviously a problem. Uh, it's a bigger problem when you consider Keenan Allen got injured early in this game. So I think this is the type of offense, and again, it's only a one-week sample size, but we are going to see passes to some of these fringe receivers, whether it's Josh Palmer or, or DeAndre Carter or Jalen Guyton or, you know, obviously Jared Cook, not Jared Cook, Gerald Everett is in play there too, a guy I liked last week but wasn't in this lineup. So this was my GPP lineup for the FFT DFS contest. Again, please go register for that. I had Darren Waller on, on the on the run back there. I wish I had Devontae Adams. Obviously, that would have changed my lineup quite a bit. In retrospect, if I could, if I could have done something a little bit different, I probably would have ended up playing Devontae Adams. And maybe I maybe I take out Aaron Jones and I go for one of those value guys that were in the, the low 5K range, like a CEH, for example, who I, I did play this week. And I, I know we were all very big on. At the receiver position, obviously crashed and burned with Mike Williams. The MVS call was was a middling play. I mean, he did have a, a, a an end zone look that he was interfered with. So I think his game could have been better. You might have noticed his A dot was way down from what you expected, but that's something that we knew could possibly happen. He's not just going to be a deep threat. He's also going to be seen in the middle and short area of the field. Greg Dortch, I got to give that one to Mike McClure. We were on the Thursday show the news broke during the Thursday afternoon show that we did that it looked like, uh, who was it, Rondale Moore was not going to play. I had mentioned Dorch and Isabella, and Mike, if you all remember, he chimed in and he said, no, no, it's it's going to be Greg Dorch. Greg Dorch is going to be the guy that I'm going to play. It's not going to be Isabella. I like Dorch's role as it relates to what he's going to be replacing for Rondale Moore. Uh Spoiler alert, Dorch might be good again this week, too. I put Dorch in almost every single lineup, and it worked out like pretty well, honestly. Given the amount of targets and target share he had, which I think was 25%, it probably should have worked out a little bit better. I kind of think Kyler and company kind of gave up in the second half, which uh, unfortunately isn't a huge surprise to me. That also led to James Conner's production kind of going down as well because they didn't use him nearly as much in the second half. So the way that game broke, it just didn't really work out for me. Finally, I did have DeAndre Swift. I did have the Vikings D, which was certainly contrarian, but I was trying to find an affordable D and, and, and the Vikings fit in well. That that worked out very well. But ultimately, what ended up sinking me was the receiver position in Aaron Jones. So while this was maybe an average GPP lineup, average doesn't get you anything. Maybe in cash. I mean, in cash, this, this may barely cross the cash line, but in GPP, this is certainly nothing to celebrate. So Mike, any comments here? I mean, obviously, if I could do it again, I'd probably still play Mike Williams and hope he gets behind this Raiders defense. Um, but I probably would have maybe found a way to fit in Devontae Adams. Yeah, uh, a couple of comments on it. One, I love that you got Dorch in there. I wish I had played him in my main teams instead of Wandale. Um, I played Wandale because I wasn't playing Saquon. And my thought process there was if Saquon's not having a ton of success, they're likely trailing, they're likely throwing more, et cetera. I wish I had played Dorch. Um, other than that, I like the lineup construction. Uh, Mike Williams, look, brutal, brutal game. Not much to say there other than we'll be concerned if it happens again, especially this week against Kansas City. Um, otherwise, I think you just kind of have to chalk it up to, you know, he had a bad game, but it wasn't ready. Uh, and then finally, the most fascinating thing here, while I want everyone to listen to our advice and try to learn from it, there's one thing you can absolutely learn from Sia's lineup here, it's that plays that we talk about on the show are going to be incredibly popular in our own individual contest where you see mm -hmm. Aaron Jones at 42.5% owned. There's 42% of you that are probably not very happy with me because I was <laughs> very high on Aaron and Jones up. this week. Me too, Mike. And you, you were as well, yes. Um, but looking at this, it's an interesting game theory discussion anyway. Because in our own individual FFT DFS contest, Aaron Jones' ownership was absolutely inflated uh, more so than any other contests on the site. So something for you guys to keep in mind when you were talking about things on the show uh, and you're playing in this contest with us, it's very fascinating to see where the ownership concentrates.
Yeah, that is interesting. And it, it actually eluded me, the 42.5%. It's almost like you're glad people are listening, but then because of the result, it, it, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really pan out. By the way, for those of you that have questions in the chat, I'm going to just ask you, just because the show moves so fast, I'm going to ask you to be really more specific with your questions. So I, Michael Dixon, I'm assuming you're asking CMC or Taylor, what, are we talking next week? Are we talking DFS? Um, things of that nature are going to be super helpful as we sort of race through these lineups and the early look for week two. Dylan or ETN, not exactly sure what you're asking. Trade Justin Jefferson for CMC is interesting. But again, I'd like to know if it's PPR. I'd like to know some of that information. But I'll tell you, Mike, that that's a good one. And let's just assume it's PPR. Trading Justin Jefferson for CMC I don't see a scenario where I would do that. Would you? No, I definitely would not. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. And I'll preface this by saying I don't play any season-long fantasy football myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't looked at the schedules for the remaining schedules for each of these teams. Uh, there's one thing we know about Christian McCaffrey is he's incredibly injury-prone. The team itself is not very good. Uh, unclear how good the Minnesota side is, but I'm not super worried about Jefferson's uh, injury problems so i'll knock on wood on that one obviously for him but uh yeah not something that i would go look at doing but of course it depends on the rest of your roster and who else you have gotcha okay well we just went through what are we went through my lineup let's go through mike we have a gp we have two more lineups to go before we get to the early look so let's go to mike's gpp lineup which put up uh 137.7 again this is his DraftKings lineup and we started with Patrick Mahomes to Juju, and I know you were big on both of those guys, particularly Juju at the receiver position. Um, I I can have you recap this, but for those that are listening, in case you're not watching us on YouTube, A, shame on you, and B, I'll go ahead and read the names, and then, Mike, you can talk about the lineup. Connor and Aaron Jones at running back, Marquise Brown, Randall Cobb, uh, the other two wide receivers, Goddard at tight end, and the commander's defense. Talk to us about this one. Yeah, if you saw the cash lineup, very similar. We've talked about it many times. If you're new, you'll hear me talk about it. I keep an incredibly narrow player pool. I typically win most of my lineups and have really big week, and then weeks that essentially are nothing. Um, But yeah, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey was the primary stack here with Juju Smith-Schuster. I did run it back on the other side with Connor and Marquise Brown. I was expecting a little better performance from Arizona in terms of keeping up in this high-paced, high-scoring game. Didn't really get that. Mostly middling performances on both of these guys. It really helped that Marquise Brown landed in the end zone because four for 43, not going to cut it uh, really at any price point above, you know, minimum salary here. So that helped a little bit, but everything fell apart. Uh, Again, faded the Dolphins' defense here on DraftKings, played them on FanDuel. That was a big difference in my day. And then, of course, Aaron Jones versus Saquon Barkley, I decided on one site to play Jones, the other site to play Barkley. All the action here has Aaron Jones, and we've talked about how poor Aaron Jones was, and that was ultimately what cost me here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll I'll follow up with uh, the, the question about Dylan or, or, or ETN. Um, one thing I'll say, it's Tuesday. I might not know the teams off the top of my head that they're playing against, but I do know that one. So I would go with uh, AJ Dillon there. I, I do like Travis Etienne uh, in general. I like him more than the market does right now. I know everybody's down on him. He had a terrible game. I, his his he just didn't seem ready. He he should have caught a couple passes. He missed some blocks. It was it was just not a good game for him. But as far as next week, AJ Dillon at home against the Bears. Uh, give me give me all of that. Uh, PPR or not, he's probably going to be successful as a PPR running back rest of the way to some degree. But um, I see him getting in the end zone uh, kind of easy. I wonder what that number is. Uh, okay, Mike, so that was your um, GPP lineup. We have one more lineup to go through, and it's Namder23. It's a guy, Mike, I think you might be familiar with, and he won. And anytime you win... You're gonna. We're gonna talk about your lineup, and we're gonna talk about you and how great your lineup construction was. So, um, Mike, you can see the screen here. I mean, this is one of your guys. This is a, a guy that's in your Discord. I, I can. Can you do this one? Let, let's read out the names here. Yeah, I definitely can. He went with Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Love that. Uh, Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Love those two guys. Again, the biggest thing he did correct here was getting Barkley over Aaron Jones uh, at a significantly better price point and ownership in our contest here. Uh, Marquise Brown makes a lot of sense with a bring back on the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack. Uh, Very, very well done in that one. Randall Cobb, good value play, $3,400. Certainly did not work out at all. Michael Pittman, highly owned. 
did well, uh, really, really well. The game script really helped him out. Uh, the fact that Indianapolis really struggled in this game, it certainly helped him out. Herb Smith, this is probably the most impressive spot. Not only did he have three snowflakes in the lineup, if you're looking at the DraftKings emojis, he had a zero from his tight end spot, Herb Smith. But fortunately, he played Travis Kelsey with the double tight end strategy. Always makes my heart warm to see a double tight end strategy take down the tournament, especially when one of them is at zero <laughs> fantasy points. Uh, but what won this tournament was the Steelers defense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible on the turnover differential. Uh, just incredible. 26 fantasy points, 2% um, owned, near minimum salary. Nobody wanted to play them on the road against Joe Burrow. And that is ultimately what won the contest here. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers defense, seven sacks and four interceptions, one to the house by, I believe, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, this really goes to show how sometimes you do want to pay, play the expensive defense because they're the best defense and because you know people aren't going to play that defense because they want the discount defense. But what I love about the Steelers calls, nobody was playing that defense. I mean, a 2% owned defense that goes off like this, uh, it's really impressive. And we know, I mean, the Steelers can get after the quarterback, that they're an aggressive defense. So it certainly made sense to you there. It was certainly a money saver. The Herb Smith call, you know, I liked him a few weeks back, or at least before his thumb injury, which would have been a month ago. But I mean, anytime you got a guy coming off of an injury, especially a hand injury, um, that's going to be, you know, catching the ball, it, it is a little, a little suspect. It's certainly a little risky, but I understand the play in in that particular game. Honestly, Marquise Brown should have done better for you. I I was pretty shocked that the underutilization. I mean, in terms of targets. I mean, Greg Dortch was sort of the guy and Marquise Brown caught a late touchdown just to make his uh, his day salvageable. But I thought he was going to get I actually had a prop on him over, I think, uh, 60 and a half yards. And uh, that didn't come in. He ended up with uh, something in the mid 40s. But Namder 23, uh, great lineup. I love the Barkley play. I love that McCaffrey didn't hurt you. Um, and the the defensive call is uh, is pretty impressive here. So that was very, very impressive from Namder23. Just a reminder to everybody, again, our DFS contest is open. We will tweet it out, but I'll just tell you right now, it's live. Go hit the link. Go register real quick, and uh, we'll go from there. So before we get into our early look at week two pricing, let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back. My name is Sian Ajad. That's Mike McClure. We just did our week one lineup preview, or I should say, recap which is pretty cool to say mike because it means like we are fully engrossed in nfl season now which honestly uh it, it's i i you know every every time we do this show on tuesday i'm like hoping it's sunday like i, I just can't wait to get to sunday speaking of we only have 12 games instead of the 13 that we would ordinarily have this time of year. It's because we have two Monday night football games which is kind of weird um we have a lot of like big time teams that are featured on or are not featured on the main slate. So that's something to keep in mind. You're going to see some of these totals, some of these superstars are not on the main slate, which for me, I think is kind of a good thing. Um, we'll be without the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Vikings, uh, the Eagles. Uh, again, those, those teams are playing island games. There's only one total that is exceeds 50. 
It's the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders, which I'm sure is going to be popular uh, in the industry. I I certainly like that game. I love the Raiders last week. I'm probably going to like them again this week. Uh, Washington, Detroit, notable. That's a 49-point total. Indianapolis at Jacksonville and Atlanta in, in the Los Angeles Rams. Those are 47-point totals. So those are kind of your, your, your high region of games from a total standpoint. But let's start with the QBs. If we could pull up the QBs for week two on the main slate, uh, we'll start off with who's over 7K? Uh, Kyler, 7,500. Lamar Jackson, 7,400 versus Miami. Russell Wilson, 7,200 versus Houston. Mike, any of these three hot, hot button, or I should say big ticket guys, any of these guys catching your attention for the main slate? Uh, I mean, I think you have to have a little interest in Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, just in kind of obvious bounce back spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, look that, you know, they, they had the opportunity for rushing touchdowns last night on the Russell Wilson front, but that team in general just left a ton of points on the field last week, uh, yesterday on Monday Night Football. Uh, so I'd be looking for a pretty big bounce back spot from him uh, at home, uh, his Denver debut. And then, of course, that that Raiders game. Uh, you could still play Derek Carr. You can. You've got Kyler Murray. Um, I think those guys stand out the most here at this point. So let's talk about the the mid tier of quarterbacks. Uh, Stafford at sixty three hundred. We have Derek Carr, who I like. He's sixty two hundred versus Arizona. Um, anybody in this sort of six to seven k range jumping out at you? Yeah, there are a few guys. I need to scroll down and real quickly and see the uh, the price point. Yeah, so the, I, it's below that. The guy that I want to talk about most is below that. Um, yeah, I'm probably not playing anybody in that mid-range personally. I, I, I could get behind Stafford a little bit. Um, th- there's a lot of variance in that just because uh, the, they're the game script, right? Atlanta could definitely turn the ball over here on the road. Could be left with some short fields, a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, I, I like him still. I, I think that there are many scenarios here where he does have three or four passing touchdowns in this game, and the handcuffs are obviously very easy to get to still. Um, so I like him, but probably not going to be my top priority. Is there a scenario where Joe Burrow at 6,600, who potentially is in a backup spot, or I should say bounce back spot, and likely just has Jamar Chase of the Jamar Chase T. Higgins club, uh, is that maybe a possibility against the Dallas D that, that you know, I don't know that they're going to give up by any means, but like this is a, this is a defense that can get exposed, and it's an offense that is probably going to create some short fields for for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean it's it's possible. Um, probably not a situation that I'm you know super excited to get to at this point, but it's possible. I'm not going to you know if you tell me you want to play Joe Burrow and stack him with Jamar Chase in pretty much any environment, I'm going to say go for it. And finally, I do have to ask you about Derek Carr. I don't think you brought him up. He's a guy I will probably be on. I'm kind of counting on the 300-yard bonus there as opposed to in DraftKings, as opposed to the uh, any sort of rushing upside because he doesn't have any. But going against the Arizona secondary just seems like kind of a gift for any quarterback. Derek Carr coming off, uh, he, could, he certainly could have had a better game, but I would imagine he's passing the ball pretty easily against this team. Any thoughts on Derek Carr at 6,200 with, of course, like maybe a Devontae Adams? Yeah, no, I like him quite a bit. Uh, I think that we'll almost definitely have lineups with both Carr on one side and then other lineups with Kyler Murray. Uh, Game definitely has shootout potential. I expect a much better effort from the Cardinals on both sides of the ball in this game. I think it's a better matchup for them than the Kansas City Chiefs were. And then, uh, you know, on the other side, Derek Carr, 6,200. I don't think it's the clear runaway situation. They are six-point favorites here. I think that number is... I don't laughable is not the right word, but it's inappropriate. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of value on the Arizona side at this point at six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do see the scenario where it's an ultimately a very competitive game, potentially one that Derek Carr and the Raiders are trailing in. Um, yeah, I, I like them quite a bit here. So there's a couple guys in the 5K range I want to bring up because I think there's at least two that I like. And I'll note that Mariota is here at, at 5,600. I believe he had around 71 rushing yards last week. And if you all watched our Thursday show, Mike made the call that he might have 80 rushing yards. And, uh, well, that was pretty close. I mean, think I think Mariota, Mike, is the threat that we thought he might be. I think we're going to see that throughout the season. But the the guys that I really like in this 5K range, Trey Lance at 5,700 at home against Seattle and Daniel Jones at 5,100 against the – uh, not against the New York Giants. Um, who do the Giants play? 
The Giants play Carolina, I believe. Those two, just from a pure value standpoint, I mean, I really like Trey Lance because I, I think the entire industry is off of him right now. And I like that he's playing at home, that he's not going to be playing in a monsoon. It does seem like a really good bounce back spot for Trey Lance. Any of those two guys on your radar, and if not, who who is? Yeah, look, I mean, I think Lance is on the radar. I think that there's, you know, just having overall better weather conditions is going to help him out significantly in this matchup. Um, on my radar, not my favorites in those between those two players. Uh, mm. I think my favorite here by a pretty considerable margin is actually Matt Ryan. Uh, mm. I expect a pretty significant bounce back effort from the Indianapolis Colts here against the Jaguars. Yes, it's a road game. Matt Ryan... Look, he, he cost them pretty big. Ultimately, they came away not losing, but they didn't get the win either. Uh, fumbled a number of snaps, did not look sharp. I expect that to be corrected here in week two with this team. Uh, he's got some legitimate weapons. We are obviously know about Jonathan Taylor. We know about Michael Pittman. Uh, I, look, I think that this is a scenario where he can have another pretty nice game. Uh, you know, only one touchdown pass in that last game. If this is a two-touchdown pass game for him, that box score looks a lot better at 5,500. Um, yeah, I'm in on Matt Ryan this week. You're on mute. See ya. Any thoughts on Carson Wentz uh, at Detroit? Uh, we know Detroit can get exposed, you know, both with the run and the pass. But Carson Wentz did have a nice game last week. That that Washington defense is likely to give up some points themselves. Uh, we, we, you you played a lot of Jahan Dotson last week. Uh, any thoughts there? Maybe Carson stack with Jahan Dotson, maybe Curtis Samuel or or anything like that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Carson Wentz, look, the price point's still appropriate. If he has another game like that, we're not seeing 5,800 again, uh, which is the problem here. So great overall game environment. Chief is very much into it as well. Um, I, I like it, though. I, I like Carson Wentz. Uh, Dotson is cheap enough that it's still a very reasonable stack that'll allow you to go play someone like Jonathan Taylor or any of the other studs that you really want to get in your lineup. Um, but yeah, the Detroit, kind of the same thing that we've seen from them in the past, right? I'm not sure that they got a lot better. I think what they've done is that they're horrible on defense. Teams make some adjustments and, and kind of let them get back in the game playing very conservatively on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. uh, I see another one of those games here. Could it turn into a massive, massive shootout? Um, yeah, Carson Wentz, like the guy that uh, replaced him, I, I like Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz this week. And for the record, Jahan Dotson, who we'll get to in a few minutes, is 4,200 in that game at Detroit. Let's bring up the running backs, Mike, because there are some obviously top-tier guys just like there were last week, namely Jonathan Taylor at 9,900 at Jacksonville, Christian McCaffrey at the New York Giants. He's 8,900. And then there's a pretty big drop-off to uh, Alvin Kamara, whose usage was kind of questionable last week, obviously. Saquon Barkley at 7,300. Uh, that's pretty exciting uh, at home against the Carolina rush defense. And then you have Joe Mixon at 7,200, Nick Chubb at 7,100, and it's rounded out by DeAndre Swift at 7,000. I got to say, in, in the PPR format that DraftKings offers, you know you're getting a really good baseline of points from DeAndre Swift. I don't think Jamal Williams is going to come in and vulture every single touchdown, obviously. So, I mean, I, I think you're we're in a situation here where week to week there's going to be just touchdown regression as it pertains specifically to DeAndre Swift. He seems like a guy right now. And, and this isn't just because of last week. It's because of what we saw from DeAndre Swift last year. He seems like a guy that could score comparably to Christian McCaffrey in his prime, not consistently necessarily. When I say comparably, I'm saying like his his high upside games seem similar to what you might get from a Christian McCaffrey old school high upside game. Not with the consistency, but he certainly can get there. Am I crazy to think that? And at home against Washington, is this kind of a must play? I will say it's not a must play just because of the price point. If the price point was 6,000, 6,100, somewhere in that range, I would say yes, a lot closer. Mm -hmm. um, I can't say must play just because he's still very similar in, in price point to James Conner, very similar in price point to Saquon Barkley. Um, that's the only reason. I, mm -hmm. I like both of those guys here again this week. But yes, yeah, Swift is definitely deserving of the price tag that he has. So in this 7K range and above, and again, it's only Tuesday, we're going to do our game-by-game -game preview. We're going to be doing it live at 6 o'clock on Thursday. For those of you that are listening, for those of you that are watching, we will be doing that, excuse me, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, right, Mike, on, on uh, Thursday, I believe. So yeah. 
Yeah, so we're going to be doing that live, and we're going to go game by game, obviously, and we're going to talk about all these guys. But in the 7K and above range, you got like one or two guys that you really like here? Yeah, I mean, look, it's Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, it, it was unfortunate that I only played him on FanDuel last week. It's just a misstep on my end. He's still underpriced, right? If he's going to have that role, he's healthy. He's obviously very healthy. Uh, I think the thing that you need to look at and talk about the most is – Seven targets, six receptions. Uh, that is a massive floor baked into his game. Uh, you know, will we see that every week? I don't know, but I tend to think that we will when he is healthy. Uh, mm -hmm. This game projects to be incredibly competitive. You know, you could argue that, you know, it's wild the Giants are favored in football games still at this <laughs> point. But uh, look, six to seven receptions, 30 yards on six catches is about the floor for someone's talent of Saquon Barkley. Um, you're, you're grabbing 10 points right there. Uh, yeah, I like him. He's going to be incredibly popular. Definitely the most popular running back on the slate. Uh, the issue is, is he's, for me, going to be treated like Travis Kelsey was last week. I don't care what the ownership number is. He's definitely in your player pool. I like it. Um, Baker Mayfield, kind of a tough scene there. If it wasn't for a broken coverage here and there, uh, he, his stat line would have been really awful. Do you happen to know the line in this game off the top of your head? For Giants the... Yeah, the Giants are two and a half point favorites at home. I mean, yes, that's unbelievable, but is your lean, and this isn't a betting show, but my lean is to the Giants here at home. What's yours? Uh, it's very, very close. I would, if you asked me who I thought would win the game, yes, I would have to lean towards the Giants. Um, I do, however, think that the Carolina Panthers, again, not a betting show. Uh, okay. If you were into betting and you were into teasing appropriate numbers in the National Football League, two and a half is. Frankly, the best spot to tease. You get that up to eight and a half, get you through all of the key numbers that are really associated here with these competitive games. That's the way I would play it if I had to play this game. Uh, for the record, if you want to learn about betting and you want to learn about key numbers uh, across all sports, not just the NFL, uh, subscribe to Sportsline and watch The Early Edge, which I am on, but Mike is on a, a lot more frequently. And that's a daily show that they do on YouTube for free. So The Early Edge, check it out and, and subscribe to Sportsline. The 6K range, uh, a lot of nice names here. Uh, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, who seemed to have like an injury late, late in that game on Sunday night. Yeah, Kareem Hunt, who just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, at least from a touchdown production standpoint. Obviously, Javante Williams at home against Houston is is certainly a, a play people are going to like. Then you have Antonio Gibson at 6,200. I think people are going to like him at Detroit. And then it goes down from there. And I'll round it out with a guy, Corderell Patterson, who really turned it on last week and, and got a ton of production. So he's at the Rams. Seems like a tough matchup, but 6K seems like a fair price, too, given his role in that offense. A lot of good plays in this 6K range, which honestly – lends itself to why you answered the way you did when I asked you about DeAndre Swift, because there is a lot of really good value, particularly in the 6K range. Who's really sticking out to you here? Uh, there are a couple guys. You mentioned Javante Williams. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, tough to say, still still early. Uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, especially in a game that they're winning, I, I think that they're going to be very, very equal in terms of uh, number of, of carries and touches overall in that game. Um, the thing that stood out, though, was just the passing work for Javante. I don't know if that was a product of Russ not playing preseason and having more chemistry with the rest of his team because he missed a lot of wide open receivers last mm -hmm. night as well. So these numbers could definitely come down uh, heading. Obviously, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say they're not going to come down. He's not going to have this many targets uh, going forward, but I do like him at 6,500. Jeff Wilson, someone we're going to have to talk about considering the backfield situation for the 49ers. Uh, and then looking at my numbers here, the other one that stands out, uh, again, very small sample sizes based on who they played. I think we got to talk about Daryl Henderson. Uh, I believe he's 5,700 here on DraftKings against the Falcons uh, at home. Cam Akers obviously did not have a role in that first game. Henderson did 13 carries, five catches, five on five targets, only 26 yards, wasn't massively efficient on in the passing game. That can certainly change. But we have to caveat that by saying that it was obviously a negative game script for them. Uh, so that work could very well go away. Uh, but at 5,700, if he's certainly going to out-touch Cam Akers like that again, uh, he definitely should be at least $6,500. Yeah, agree with that. Speaking of that 5K range, anybody else that's jumping out to you, I, I think what a lot of people are going to do is they're, they're going to see, okay, Elijah Mitchell is out. 
do I go to Jeff Wilson or do I just avoid this backfield altogether? Or do I roster Debo Samuel knowing that he's probably going to get five or six carries and he's going to get passing work as well? I lean towards playing Debo Samuel um, you know, with Trey Lance, perhaps, and just hope that those two guys explode. Uh, with that in mind, any any Niners guys on your radar? Uh, I mean, I think Jeff Wilson can be. The issue is, is it's not necessary yet. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I you never want a player to get injured, but I don't really love having first or second week injuries like this because the pricing hasn't become efficient enough to really need it. You know, mm-hmm. if this was week seven or eight, and all of a sudden we get $5,100 Jeff Wilson, we're probably incredibly excited about it. We're probably all jamming him in almost every lineup, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessary at this point in the season. So he's a fine play, uh, certainly fantasy relevant this week. Um, far from a must play at this point in the week. Yeah, fair enough. And and we can go ahead and, and transition to wide receivers now. I'm scanning the 4K guys, and I'm sure we'll have – potentially some plays in that range on the Thursday show. But Mike, unless you have somebody that that you know of, uh, there was nobody really in the 4K range that I was super interested in. Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's only one situation. And the only reason we can talk about it, oh, you're talking about wide receiver, right? 4K no, wide well, I, I'm talking about oh, 4K running on. backs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, no 4K running backs as of right now. By the way, I think it was Jacob and a couple other guys were asking about the contest link, which um, Fantasy Football Today was good enough to get in the chat and respond to. So everybody definitely get into that contest. Um, I'm glad we have so much activity in the chat because what you can do next week is you can start talking smack. Because not only will you be finishing above or behind some of these guys in the chat, but above and behind me and Mike McClure too. So uh, let's get the ball rolling. I want to see consistent names in this in this contest, and I want to expand it, and I, and I want to get the, uh, the prize pool up as well. So I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really glad people are inquiring in the chat about it because if you're inquiring now, you'll register now, you won't forget, and uh, we can start crafting lineups now as opposed to waiting till I don't know, Saturday or Sunday. But probably shouldn't craft lineups this early. But it's fun to do. Just you know, it's a, it's a placeholder. Okay. So let's go to uh, wide receivers. Okay. We used to call, we used to have a second name for this show last week, or excuse me, last year. And it was fade Cooper cup at your own risk. So here he is. He's at home against Atlanta. The production didn't go down at all, at least not week one. I mean, he's 9,900. I, I, I'm just going to ask you about him first because the drop off from Cooper cup is 1300 down to, to Devonte Adams and then 8,000 to Jamar chase. Let's just talk about Cooper cup. Can you fit him in lineups this week? I know uh, I'll just leave it there. Can you fit him in? You can fit him in lineups for sure. Um, You know, especially if you're playing maybe Matthew Stafford, his quarterback, only 6,300. Saquon Barkley's still a discount from someone like Jonathan Taylor at 7,300. There's still defenses that are cheap. So the answer is yes, you can get there. And it's a little easier to get there because there are so many good teams not on the main slate this week. Um, so yeah, you could definitely get to Cooper cup if you want to. All right. So we have Cooper cup at the top. And then, like I said, we've got Devonte Adams, who I certainly like this week at 8,600 Jamar chase, 8,000. And then we go to Debo at 7,800 and Tyree kill at 7,100 of those guys that I just mentioned. And there's five of them. Uh, who's your lead dog from a value and production standpoint? Uh, it's going to be one a and one B on Adams and cup. Uh, I think that that's the, you know, it's the same thing it's been, you know, for a while here in the NFL, but it's definitely going to be true to me here. Um, Tyreek Hill, I think still takes a pretty big step back, not having Patrick Mahomes throwing in the football and that overall offense to work in. So, uh, you know, look, I think the most interesting one is Debo, uh, wide, wide range of outcomes there. Yes. He could run the ball that should raise his floor, um, the price point is close enough to some of these other guys, and I'm not fully committed to playing Trey Lance just yet. So he's going to take a backseat for me at this point. Um, so I would say Cup and Adams are really the only two of the top five that I have interest in. Okay, as we scan down the 6K range, I will tell everybody right now, I'm going to be playing a decent amount of Debo. And I will be playing a decent amount of Trey Lance as well. Maybe some stacks, but also just some pieces of Debo, pieces of this team, because I really think last week was a a pretty unfair representation of what this offense is going to be. Whether you like Trey Lance or not, to me, is, is it's not that it's inconsequential, but I'm, I'm really playing the Kyle Shanahan system. I'm really playing him scheming Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel open, and I'm, I'm leaning on yards after the catch with both of those guys. So uh, I think uh, this is a really good spot to take some guys who 
just the industry in general is pretty low on him. And you, you, you couldn't have watched Trey Lance last week and thought to yourself, this is a guy I want to play next week. So um, that's the very reason I'll probably play a little of him. But I just like the when you when it comes to range of outcomes and Debo Samuel, I just really like the the ceiling there. And so even though obviously there's plenty of ceiling guys in that 7K and above range, um, I think Debo will be the lesser owned, I'm guessing, of, of some of those guys that we talked about. So um, the 6K range, Mike, any of these guys sticking out to you? Some names that, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, I just can't imagine a scenario where anybody would play him. I mean, it just doesn't even seem like a good contrarian move on any level. Michael Pittman, that certainly seems like a sexy play. We got Terry McLaurin at Detroit. Amon Ross St. Brown at 6,500 seems very interesting to me. And then, of course, Marquise Brown down at 6,200, maybe in a bounce back spot. But any of these guys standing out to you? Yeah. Um, look, I, I think that Pittman is obviously interesting. It's if you want to play him, I'm probably only doing it with Matt Ryan. Pittman was someone we would always play in the past by himself, even without him. That was when Michael Pittman was $5,500 routinely. Uh, there's a big difference between 5,500 and 6,700 as a wide receiver. Um, so I like him. I'm only going to play him if it's going to be with Matt Ryan though. Uh, other receivers I love in this range. I, I think you have to love Marquise Brown just a little bit. If you, like me, think that the Arizona team, the offense especially, is going to be clicking a little more, uh, I, I think this is a fantastic spot uh, for Marquise Brown to have a bigger game than the last game. So I'm going to be buying in there. And then in this range, the only other guy that I could really say, yeah, let's get there in a tournament uh, is actually paying up for Mike Evans, uh, $6,800 for Mike Evans. I expect this to be a really tough, difficult game for Tom Brady and, and the Bucs. And I, I think that we could see targets force-fed to Mike Evans. We know that he does have a knack for finding the end zone if they are able to get into the red zone. Um, so he's someone that I would take a flyer on this week. I would much rather play him than CeeDee Lamb at the same price point. Absolutely. Uh, let's go down to the 5K range. A couple guys that are interesting to me. We see T. Higgins has that questionable tag. Uh, Chris Kirk, you know, listen, I, I was all over him last week. Mike, I think you liked him as well. If you guys recall, I had the Trevor Lawrence Christian Kirk stack with um, several different Washington runbacks. And I thought that was actually going to be really great, at least in the first half. And then the, the game script flipped a little bit. And it was Carson Wentz who enjoyed the great game. But I, I still like Christian Kirk uh, quite a bit. Uh, at at 5,700, I think he's interesting. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. Jerry Judy, very interesting to me at 5,600 at home in a bounce back spot for the Broncos against the Houston secondary that is super soft. Uh, not super interested in Rashad Bateman or really anybody in, in the Baltimore receiver core. Uh, as I scroll down, you know, you got Robbie Anderson here. I'm not taking a shot there. Anybody in this 5K range, Brandon Ayuk at 5,100, Elijah Moore at Cleveland at 5,000. Anybody in this range that sticks out to you? Yeah, there's one guy, um, and it's only because I like the matchup. I think it's one where they can really bounce back, grab a big win, uh, and it's the Rams. Allen Robinson. Mm. Uh, the price point on Allen Robinson, look, the situation is still way better than what he was dealing with in Chicago. I personally believe he still has quite a bit left in the tank. We will see. Uh, very unimpressive game, not only from him, just from everyone on the Rams not named Cooper Cup. Mm -hmm. um, I expect a pretty big bounce back performance from him individually and really just from the team overall, thanks to the matchup. So at 5,500, I don't think anyone's going to play him out of, you know, after what we saw last week. Um, and then the other guy that's always a tournament flyer, uh, DJ Moore. DJ Moore has a ton of upside. Yes, Christian McCaffrey is healthy. Yes, there are options. Yes, Baker Mayfield is throwing the football, which is scary. Uh, he still has a ton of upside anytime he steps on the football field. Almost always good to touch the ball running still, even with McCaffrey healthy. Um, I just think there's a lot of upside for a player at only 5,700 that you know nobody is going to play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that play quite a bit. Any interest in like a Drake London who who looks to be getting the production that we kind of anticipated? It's at the uh, Los Angeles Rams for fifty two hundred. Yeah, uh, I think that that would be kind of a necessary bring back uh, in every scenario that's not just a Cooper Cup standalone lineup. Uh, if you're playing someone like Allen Robinson, you're playing someone like Matthew Stafford, or really even Daryl Henderson. Uh, I would want a bring back in all of those situations. And London would be that guy. Um, again, the only place I don't think it's necessary is if you're just playing whatever lineup, a Kyler Murray or Derek Carr lineup, and you happen to play Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't think it's necessary at that point. But any other exposure to the Rams, I would want to play him. So is 
Drake London a better bring back to you than Corderell Patterson this week? Yeah, I think so. Right. Uh, personally, I think so. Just right. because of the opportunity cost at the positions, um, I, I think that it it's probably a better move. All right. Uh, 4K and below, or I should say 4,900 and below. A few names that stuck out to me, and again, we, we will diagnose this a lot more for the Thursday game-by-game preview, but a, a couple of Washington commanders stick out here. I mean, Jahan Dotson's certainly getting a lot of the press at 4,200, but Curtis Samuel seems to have the role that Washington thought he was going to have last year before all the lingering injuries just continued through the season. He's 4,600. I'll point out your boy, who ended up being my boy. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Greg Dorch at 3,500. Of course, he's playing Las Vegas alongside uh, uh, alongside Marquise Brown. I, I don't think uh, Rondale Moore is going to be back for that game, so it should be another dose of Greg Dorch. Uh, any of those receivers jump out to you? And if not, anybody that you've seen this early in the week in the 4K range that you like? Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned it. It's what I wanted to say. We have to talk about Greg Dortch and Rondell Moore because whichever one of them is playing, if only one of them is playing, uh, obviously Dortch would have a role if Rondale was playing. Um, I like them. I, I think this is a huge spot for him. I think they're both going to be underpriced. I uh, see Moore only 4,100 if he's able to play. Um, you know, I, I think you got to like him. Um, other guys in the price range. <sighs> Not, not a ton to like, honestly, for yeah. me, um, you know, Russell Gage, maybe, maybe, uh, just because I think that, that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for throwing the football in that game from Tom Brady, mm-hmm. um, Jacoby Myers, maybe, but I, I can't really get there. Okay. Yeah. How about between Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, are, are either of those guys on your radar? Uh, and if so, is it, is it Jahan Dotson at over Curtis? Uh, I don't know if I can definitively say it's going to be Dotson over Curtis. I, I think they're both, you know, going to be incredibly relevant, but it, it's, you know, I, I prefer the volume from Samuel Dotson. We have to be kind of careful with, yes, he landed in the end zone here a couple times, but the volume wasn't quite what we would like to see. Um, so if I had to pick between the two, if you have the extra 400, I'm going to play Samuel. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of misconceiving, um, box scores in week one that you should take a closer look because I mean if a guy had one or two touchdowns that's great like Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay did for the Ravens but you also want to take a peek at their actual targets which in both of those cases those Ravens receivers I believe they each might have had four targets or less so I mean it's just something to consider that shouldn't be a surprise to you because the Ravens are going to run the ball and Mark Andrews is going to be the primary um, pass catcher but uh, just keep that in mind when you look at the actual fantasy score versus what the opportunity was for those guys. And it's certainly a good point on J- Jahan Dotson. All right, let's like quickly just run through a, a few tight ends that you might like here. Um, we'll go through that. And we, we already have it up here. If you're listening to us, make sure you try to watch us. We're, at least for the next couple of months, we are going to be live at 6 o'clock on Tuesdays and live at 5 o'clock on Thursdays. That's Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so just some 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 big name tight ends. I just want to mention before I ask you um, any of your opinions here. Mark Andrews is sixty four hundred versus Miami. Uh, Darren Waller fifty six hundred versus Arizona. Ertz forty five hundred at Las Vegas. We've got Tyler Higby is a nice price forty two hundred versus Atlanta. Albert O, who looked pretty good yesterday, thirty seven hundred versus Houston. We got Logan Thomas is back. Juwan Johnson. Anybody sticking out to you here? Oh, you're on mute. I had to join you on the mute train for a second, yes. but we're back. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Albert O is someone who stands out to me uh, there for a couple of reasons. Number one, he actually didn't quite play as many snaps as I thought he would last night. Uh, there mm-hmm. were a couple of times uh, where some of the blocking tight ends actually ran routes. That was a little shocking to me. I don't know if he was winded. I don't know what was going on, uh, but I fully expected him to uh, be out there just a touch more. Uh, but he was very effective well, when he was out there he came up a half a yard short of scoring a touchdown in this game um also something to note it's hard to quantify that by or hard to know that by just looking at the box score but always interesting to note that had he gotten the end zone you know this pricing was out before this because it was a monday night game but you know this price point is probably going to go up for next week because of that so i like him um i expect a big effort from denver in the spot the other guys that I like, uh, I think you can try to get to Tyler Higby. The question there becomes that they all the Rams can't, they can't all score. Uh, mm-hmm. But the price point is certainly attractive on someone like Tyler Higby, especially when you consider you don't have any Travis Kelsey on the slate uh, at the position. 
Um, other guys that I'm considering rostering at this point, uh, I like Mark Andrews a little bit just because I think that game is going to be very, very competitive with Miami. Uh, and I think there are multiple scenarios where the Ravens even could be trailing in this game. Uh, there's a lot of explosive play upside on the other side of the ball. Um, so we could see a little more passing from the Ravens than we would in a normal situation. Um, so right now, Mark Andrews, Albert O, and Tyler Higby stand out as the guys I'm going to be playing. All right. Um, I want to point out TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I, I just think in, in a high scoring game at 4,700, I think he has a shot, especially in PPRs. He had seven targets last week. Um, I could see him having seven, eight, nine targets against Washington. So I think, especially if you're considering stacking that game, I think Hawkinson is a piece you could potentially have in there as part of a run back, for example. Or as, I mean, you're not, I guess you're not sta- stacking golf. If you're stacking, let, let me ask you this, Mike. If you're stacking that game, which is, it's a risky stack anyway, I, of course, but you're stacking the Carson Wentz side of it, right? Yeah, for me, it would be the Carson Wentz side stacked yeah. up. Yeah. All right. So Swift would be the primary run back there. But if I suppose if you wanted to do some sort of mega or super stack, uh, Hawkinson could be involved. But now that I'm working through the mental progressions of that, it doesn't sound nearly as sexy. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is somebody to consider in, the, in that case as well. Um, we're not going to bring up defenses. We'll bring up uh, defenses on Thursday's game by game preview. I do want to point out, though, because Mike mentioned a cheap defense. And we're always all about looking to see if there's cheap de- defenses for value. I mean, the Bengals, you know, yeah. no Dak Prescott. They're 2,200 at Dallas. I mean, I really think, Mike, I think this could be a defense that has an extremely high ownership percentage. And, and I, I want to get your thoughts here because, A, do you like it? And, B, is this the type of play that is so good from a making your lineups work standpoint that you'll take the free square even though it's chalky? It's close. Uh, I do like it, obviously. I think it's obvious value. I I don't think anyone's going to debate that it's obvious value or not. I think the thing that's interesting is there are a couple of pivots uh, out here. One of them is the New York Jets. Same price point playing against Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Mm -hmm. Brissett is a six-point favorite, and I would argue that he should not be a six-point favorite against any NFL team. Um, Can definitely turn the football over. I think this will be one of the better pivots right away uh, from Cincinnati. Can I but, guess Can I guess the other one? Did you, It sounded like you had another pivot in the 2,500 or less range. Yeah, let's hear it. All right, it's got to be the Miami Dolphins. It is the Miami Dolphins. They're right up there. Uh, honestly, though, this week, there are a number of them. Uh, the only, let's see, the other one, which will be very interesting to see ownership on because they crushed it in week one, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Uh, they are still, you know, playing New England. New England plays a little slower in some spots. Um, some injury concerns there at 2,800. It's going to be fascinating to see if people jump back in on them or avoid it completely. And something to consider there, it does look like TJ Watt has a pectoral injury and I haven't seen the update today. Uh, if that is a pec injury, I don't think we're going to see TJ Watt for the rest of the year. So that's certainly something to keep in mind there. Uh, before we close the show, I, we do have a couple, a few questions here. They look like they're kind of more redraft questions, which I'd prefer DFS questions. But, you know, if we have a couple extra minutes, I'm happy to kind of look at some of these. The longer ones are sort of harder to read. Uh, from a podcast standpoint, it's not like the best type of radio. But I'm going to read a couple of these. Chase Edmonds for Allen Robinson, half PPR. I need help on this, please. Uh, that is interesting. Um, Mike, I know you don't do redraft, but any any opinions here? It's it's a half point PPR. Chase Edmonds for Allen Robinson. My take here is I'd probably stick with Chase Edmonds. I don't know which side of the trade you're on, but I, I'd probably stick with Chase Edmonds here. Uh, but Mike, how about you? Yeah, uh, probably lean Edmonds. I'd like to see another game from both. Um, Mm -hmm. It it could be a very good buy low opportunity on Allen Robinson. It's really, really tough to say. Uh, And then Edmonds on the other side, we've always known the pass catching ability that he has. Uh, It was kind of encouraging to see four four catches, four targets, 40 yards. I mean, that's just a massive floor. If you can pencil anything remotely close to that in for him, I know it's half point PPR and not the full point. Uh, but it still does make a difference. Um, I want to lean towards the Allen Robinson side, but I really, really want to see another half of football at least. 
Right. And we have another question from uh, Yonatan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And thank you. Thank you for your question, uh, Roy1419. Uh, Williams, Thomas Brown, start to sit one. Okay, just a little rule. And maybe this is because I'm slow, Mike, but it would be so super helpful if you actually put the full name and who they're going against just so in a flash, I don't have to, you know, look down and make sure who they're playing. I'm assuming that's Javante Williams. I'm assuming it's Michael Thomas. And I'm assuming it's Marquise Brown, start to sit one. Um, with that assumption, I, I, I guess I would go Javante and. Marquise Brown because of the matchup. Uh, New Orleans plays at home against Tampa Bay. Um, any any thoughts? Uh, you know, we have Marquise Brown against the Vegas Raiders. We have Michael Thomas, Mike, uh, that's at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, that's tough. Um, yeah. Man, I, I think you're in a decent position. I like all three, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I'll probably honestly I, I think that I would sit Brown as crazy as that seems because I love I love Arizona and I think it's a good spot for him. But uh I, I think Thomas is still incredibly talented and he's going to remind everybody of that throughout the course of the season. All right. Well, we're going to end it there. Uh, Cornish Crypto, uh, I know you have a question here. I don't know if you actually said if it's PPR or not, because that does make a difference. And again, uh, I'm happy to answer. We're, we're both happy to answer all the questions, but please just try to put the team they're going against. Again, we should know that, but it's Tuesday and I just want to be able to look at the screen and see it right away. So thanks for your question. Go ahead and privately message me if you want, and, and, I'll, and I'll try to get that uh, question answered, uh, Cornish uh, Crypto. But we do want to go ahead and close the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Like I said, we're going to be live the rest of this year. So you guys come in with your questions. Um, even if the redraft questions, we'll answer them. But particularly if they're DFS questions, obviously, there's a lot of overlap there. So we're happy to answer those questions, especially when we have some extra time. Thursday is going to be a packed show, right, Mike? Because we're going to go game by game. And we're going to talk about, just like we did last Thursday, uh, we're going to talk about all the stacks we like, all the players we like, all the values we like, some of our fades. And at the end of that show, we're going to give out our cheat sheet, which we're also going to tweet out as well, which is, of course, our favorite values, our favorite chalk plays, our fades, and, of course, our favorite stacks as well. So uh, tune in for that at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. But for now, my name is Sia Najan. That's Mike McClure. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We're glad you're with us. We're glad you're already registered for the contest. And if you're not, do it right after this show. It'll be in the link. I'll tweet it out. And we'll see you on Thursday.